0: Hello, my friend. My name is Haley Peters. I am your host of At the Bedside, and I am so happy that you're here. This podcast, I want this to be a safe space for us to come together and talk, to share our stories, to empower each other, to educate each other, and to help each other learn to heal from the things that are hard to talk about.
1: Welcome to this week's episode of At the Bedside. I'm here with my friend Samantha and she is going to share um, a little bit about her story and I am just really excited to hear from her. I think she you know has an amazing story that I'm excited to hear and I'm going to kind of let you take it away.
2: All right well thank you for having me so much Haley. Yeah. Um, so it's it's not Okay, so my birth story started the day before I actually had my son. So this was September 1st, 2019, and I was in communication with my midwife. So I had a midwife and a birthing jeweler, and I was supposed to have a birth that was in the birthing center, like natural birth. I had planned for it. I took all the classes. I was excited. The birthing center was amazing and all that but everything can, kind of turned um, without very much preparation um the night before i had my son i was 40 weeks and five days uh-huh. so pretty overdue and they were talking about an induction but when you plan a natural birth they don't even start talking about a natural birth um like canceling of the natural whole thing until 41 weeks and then they send you to an ob-gyn who's gonna do your reduction and all that so i wasn't even there yet Mm -hmm. i was still thinking my body's just resting and i'm gonna go into labor it's gonna start happening well nothing was happening and then i slept for like 12 hours that day on and off i didn't leave my bedroom and then when i became aware that that was sort of not normal. Um, it was like around probably nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, um. I was asleep all day, like in between waking up, I didn't notice any movement, which was strange. Yeah. Um, so I was in contact with my midwife and it was around 8.30, nine o'clock that night. And she's like, well, if you don't feel movement, try to like do something to get him to move so get up start like walking around don't lay in bed and of course i'm an ultrasound tech so i immediately went to my fetal doppler and i was trying to find heartbeat and i did and so i'm like okay good so everything was fine with the baby as i thought um yeah heartbeat i i heard that and i'm like okay he's good but still no movement even after drinking juice and like poking my belly and walking around and doing all the stuff. Normally my son had a very active pregnancy. So he was moving normally throughout my entire pregnancy. And like I said, I went almost to 41 weeks and this was not normal. So she said, if you don't start feeling um, some movement, then go to the hospital. So we went to the hospital. I told my husband just let's take the bags and everything because I have a feeling that this is when we're going to have the baby. Mm -hmm. So we took everything with us. Um, we went to the hospital and they admitted me, well, I guess they take you in to their labor and delivery with, for like monitoring. And then after I was in there for a while, then I got admitted, Mm -hmm. um, but they wanted to do all the tests. So, the nurses had orders to like give me the fluids and all that stuff. So they gave me a lot of fluid, like two liters of fluid. And I know, cause you're a nurse, you know how much fluid that is. Mm -hmm. Um, It was a lot, I was really over over hydrated at that point, but he was still not moving. Mm -hmm. And so they did um, BPP, which is the ultrasound biophysical profile. And we failed my son failed and so i think his score was like a two or something like that which is not good okay. and so it felt like sorry now i'm starting an emotional because <laughs> <Okay>. <sighs> so during the whole time they were doing the ultrasound there was no movement mm. so that was kind of hard
1: yeah so
2: like sit there for what felt like forever it felt like an hour yeah um, And they're like, okay, well, they didn't tell me anything, of course. But as soon as I get back to the room, they're only, the only thing that I knew was they had decided to do a C-section and I'm like, okay, well, I don't even have a doctor or anything. So they told me that the doctor on call was coming in and because you're at a hospital that you've never been to because you had a natural birth plan and all that, everything's new. Um, I met the doctor after I had my son, <laughs> which was weird. Yeah, I um, I mean, she might've come in, I don't remember, but it was whole, it was really fast. So from what I can remember is I asked them, when are we doing it? And she said, well, the surgery is going to be in about 40 minutes, but nobody said anything about it being an emergency. They said, we don't know what's going on with him. And as much as I wanted to believe that, I feel like they did know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And that's why they decided it was going to be an emergency. So instead of telling me, because they didn't want me to freak out, they told me, We're getting him out now because we don't want to put you or him into any additional distress. We don't know how long it's going to take if we're to do an induction. Mm-hmm. It could take hours or days or and I have some history of other medical things that um, were just not it wasn't advisable for me to have an induction yeah. and I'm not sure if, if that would have been the case if I had needed an induction without this whole situation Um, but they decided to do the emergency c-section so Everybody got, mean it was really fast. So I had him at 5.18 in the morning and I feel like I learned about the C-section around like two o'clock in the morning because that's when I had shared everything with my family. Like you guys need to come to the hospital, yeah. like around two something in the morning. So it was really fast. Um, when I was in recovery after my C-section, uh, they told me that he was born with a cord wrapped on his neck. Mm. twice Uh, he was in respiratory distress um i remember like laying there when my son was born my arms spread out on the table like strapped down basically i can't do anything and i feel like that's the most helpless i've ever been in my entire life they were giving my son cpr for minutes to, to get him to breathe and what i i wasn't told was he was breathing, but he wasn't, like it was what they call agonal breathing mm-hmm. on a really low scale, like one. Um, he His breasts were really far apart. Um, he didn't cry for a while. And then when he finally did there, everyone was like, okay, you can see him for a second. So they brought him over to me and I'm like, oh my gosh, this purple baby. He, he just didn't look well.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, then they took him and I went back to, recovery and then the nurse was like, you saved his life like she told me if you hadn't come in when you did, this would have been a whole different situation um it was like in perfect timing mm-hmm. because and this was the most important reason why I wanted to come on and share my story with you was because there is a there is a really fine line between saying like everything will be okay like the baby's resting or just go to the hospital because you don't know you know you don't know and i didn't know and i i wanted to think everything was fine because we had a really good pregnancy and everything was fine but um i saved my baby and of course i had a really really good team of nurses and the doctor was really great Uh, the hospital staff was great and he ended up living he had a struggle for a whole month so he was transferred we had him in um advent hospital in Tavares, <clears throat> and he was taken to orlando like six hours after he was born because they didn't have an acute so they kept him stable and stuff there at the well baby nursery mm-hmm. and they had him hooked up to every wire and tubes and all this stuff when i first saw him i'm like oh my gosh um it was sort of like a preemie situation but not really when you see a preemie baby and how they're hooked up to everything well he weighed eight pounds twelve ounces so he was not small (laughs) but um they wouldn't really let me i couldn't hold him i didn't hold him for for like a day and a half so um so he was taken to orlando my husband followed immediately I had to stay in the hospital like into Tavares while my son went to Orlando and that was really hard mm-hmm. um so I recovered but they let me leave really early I think I left the next day
1: mm-hmm. I wasn't
2: even in the hospital for like a day and a half and um then they said as long as you can get up and get you know get out of there like shower all that stuff that you have to do after you have a baby um, I think they weren't worried as much because they knew I was going to a hospital <laughs> and that uh, it was going to be okay because there were nurses and doctors and all that.
1: Yeah.
2: So I was discharged and then went straight over. And then I feel like it was still a while before I got to I got to see him and all that, but it took a while for me to hold him. Yeah. Um, he was in the hospital for... 30 days, so we had him on September 2nd, and he left the hospital on October 2nd. Um, he he had his struggles. So what they tell you when you're in the NICU is uh, they can sometimes get worse before they get better. So he um, he was on, I guess, a ventilator, then they took him off the ventilator, and then about a week later, he was back on the ventilator. He had, ivs everywhere um he tube fed so all i did was to be his milking cow for (laughs) weeks and i sat next to his bed and i pumped and they fed him um with the monitor like with the uh medication pump Mm -hmm. um his milk that way and so it took him a good like three like at the at the end of three weeks and they're like okay well let's try to feed him through a bottle and then that you had to be feeding through a bottle before you could go home mm-hmm. so um that was kind of how things went up and down in our nicu journey but um i feel like it taught me so much being in there with him made me stronger it made me trust other people i would never tell anybody that our nicu journey was like a bad thing because i felt like it was a really good thing um i feel like it taught me to let other people help me and to trust that everything was going to be okay and it has been so my son is four years old now and he has no deficit so they did all the testing like to make sure that the Because being on oxygen and a CPAP and all of that stuff for so long can really be, they don't really know. It can detriment, I guess. How long he had the cord wrapped around around his neck, we don't know. So that could have caused brain damage. And then him being on oxygen could have caused it further. Um, But now he's good. And uh, he made a full recovery. He was born with a patent PFO for like a, patent ductus arteriosus, which is a connection between um, the oxygenated and deoxygenated blood in your heart. And so it's normal for babies to have a a hole in their heart, but um, for it to close when they're born. So his did not. And that was the only thing that we had to watch. So he had to have echoes for like a year, every three months but they found that it closed after six months. So that was the only thing um, that he had. When we took him to the doctor for his first visit, they were like, what? We we don't even, we can't tell that he went through any of that. Like he is perfect. Besides the little shaved area that he had from his IV, um, mm-hmm. you could not tell, like that baby had his first haircut when he was a week old, because <laughs> they had to shave his head. But um, other than that, was fine they couldn't tell that he went through any of that and it was just crazy like the whole thing made us closer Mm -hmm. my husband and I and our family you know everyone is so blessed and fortunate and grateful that everything turned out the way that we wanted it to you know
0: hey just popping in for a quick second to tell you about this amazing amazing website called com. I have been a coach on this website for a while now and it just makes me so happy to share this website with other moms this is a place where you can come for one-on-one care and support from coaches who are there for you in every aspect from newborn care and support to breastfeeding to potty training to maternal mental health to child behavior to starting a business as a mom whatever you need there is a coach there that is ready and able to book a one-on-one call with you to help it is an incredible affordable resource and it makes me so happy to share it I personally primarily provide coaching and postpartum care newborn care and breastfeeding and I wanted to let you know that I am offering offering a free 10 minute consultation for listeners of at the bedside podcast. So make sure that you go in, I will share my link in the show notes. Let me know what you want to talk about. You can send me a message right on the site. Let me know that you listen to this podcast by saying at the bedside and we will get our call books and get you all squared away. While you're there, make sure you look around and check out everything the site has to offer. It is an amazing abundance of resources. And remember that this site is not medical advice in any way. It is simply a place that you can find support from other moms and other women who are going through or have gone through similar things as you and to be that safe space for
1: you to come whenever you just need a little mom help. But that was pretty much the whole story. Yeah. If you have questions. (laughs) I was going to just say that shows like the the mother's intuition like when you feel like something is wrong like just go I usually I usually tell moms you know because we tell you know I tell them to do the fetal kick count and you know if baby's not having the 10 kicks and to go in but I always add in like hey even if you get those 10 kicks in the two hour time frame or whatever and you're still not feeling good about it like just go in like you If your baby's movement is any different than what you're used to, just go in. Like, the best case scenario is you go in and they're like, yeah, everything's fine. And you can go back home. (laughs) But you you never know.
2: I think being the type of person that I am, I was just not, I didn't care really what she had to say when it came to, like, me feeling like something was not right. I was going to go in regardless, I think, of what she told me to do. but my midwife was on it she's like if you don't feel kicks then you need to go to the hospital and so that was the best thing we ever did you know but i know that i mean just me thinking about it is like that's how stillborn stillborns happen because mothers are some mothers are told the baby is resting and preparing for labor and it's okay to feel less movement but i was not gonna go with that i'm like nope I always err on the side of caution that's just who I am and I think during my pregnancy I had been seen at least two other times in the ER just because I was like you know better safe than sorry
1: yeah and I mean the thing with like you do usually have some less movement when you know, as babies older, because they kind of run out of room, and they are, like you yeah. said, resting for labor, but their sleep cycles are still only around, like, 40 minutes at most, like, you, sh- you shouldn't really be going that long without feeling anything, and I think mm-hmm. there's that gap in the communication, too, like, less movement, yes, but not no movement,
2: <laughs> right,
1: Definitely. you just have to have that, like, like really focus on how much movement you felt, and I mean, I usually say if you haven't felt anything in a couple of hours, then you should probably just go in, you mm-hmm. know I'm kind of that low. was
2: how I always
1: felt you know every couple of hours, yeah yeah i I definitely err on the side of caution too, and I think it's hard, you know, I didn't make it myself more than thirty four weeks with with my little girl, <laughs> but oh <Aww. laughs> um i had an anterior placenta so my placenta was in the front which in a lot of pregnancies makes it harder to feel movement anyway so Mm -hmm. i mean i really had focus on her like because her movements i would feel them very light because my placenta was blocking me from feeling them and i think that can be hard in a lot of pregnancies too and i know that i talk to a lot of moms who have the anterior placenta and they're like, well, I don't usually feel movement. So this is not really much different. And, you know, it it just goes back to the intuition, like, you know, what's normal, even if you don't usually feel movement that often, you can still like in the back of your mind, you can usually tell when something is wrong. And just just listen to that.
2: <laughs> yeah, Which,
1: for sure. Anyone else says just listen to that. And I think that's awesome that he didn't have any like, lasting effects or anything residual from the birth or from being in the NICU 30 days is hard yeah
2: 30 days is hard it was we were really lucky I heard a uh a similar story of what happened you know because I meet a lot of people in my job and Mm -hmm. I heard the story of the exact same situation and it turned out way differently that mother was taking care of her daughter for all the way up you know, to adulthood. Yeah. Because of the trauma of the brain, you know, it's really sad and things can, can just be one way or the other,
1: you know? Yeah, for sure. I think it's, it's funny too. Avery, um, she didn't really start gaining weight until like we started giving her food, like the six months, like she was, she still looked like a preemie, like a NICU baby for a while. And then now it's like she's almost two and you look at her and it's like you would have no idea that she was born six weeks early and I, I just think it's funny like with your son too like how kids are resilient like you can't tell they went through the most traumatic thing of their life yeah. and they just look like <laughs>
2: a lot of babies who are small turn out to be the biggest people and you yeah. know like really tall and really big and you would never think they were born that small. I have a friend who had a baby at 26 weeks and the baby was a pound and a half and she's so tall and just big now and not big, but normal. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, And my son, on the other hand, my son has struggled with gaining weight his whole life. He weighs 40 pounds and (laughs) he's weighed 40 pounds for a year. Like he's so tall. He keeps getting taller, but he he does not really gain weight. He just kind of stretches out. <laughs> so um, he's always been on the 60, 65 percentile for his weight, mm-hmm. and he was born at almost nine pounds. So you just don't know.
1: <laughs> That's
2: <clears throat>
1: well. I'm glad that you came on here and shared. I I think that that you know just you talking about difference and movements and the way you felt and kind of trusting that you need to go in and kind of trust in the process I think that's going to help a lot of moms <clears throat> and you know provide a lot of education on preventing stillbirth and, and things like that which like they yes, told you I you- try to tell everybody my story because I'm not afraid to share it I'm a good sharer
2: i'd like to talk and tell my story to anyone who will listen so i was excited to hear about this opportunity
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely i will um tag you in the show notes so that people can follow you and hear more of your story if they want to and make sure you're following at the dot bedside on instagram for all updates and future episodes and we'll chat next week